Ultimate Escape is a family-friendly ministry that addresses sexuality. Some episodes may contain sensitive terms and subject matter, especially for younger children. Hello and welcome to the Ultimate Escape Podcast. I'm David Chenault. You know, in a world that's filled with so many mixed messages, it's so important to hear the truth of God's plan for sexuality. Holly and Steve Holliday, founders of Ultimate Escape, formed this ministry just for that purpose, to help churches, schools, and families discover and follow God's plan for sexuality. Ultimate Escape provides creative and engaging presentations as well as Christian counseling service with a primary focus of helping teens and young adults overcome sexual challenges and struggles. We're glad you're here, and if you'd like to know more about the ministry, you can visit the website at ultimateescape.org. Today, we hear a special message from Steve as he talks about a trip back to his own hometown, a place that he grew up, a place that when he finally returned, he discovered still held some secrets to his own recovery. So stay tuned as we visit with Steve Holiday on the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Steve Holiday with me in the studio today. Good day to you, sir. Hey, David. Today we're going to talk about things that, you know, times. there's times when we feel things, there's times when we experience things, emotions come up in us, um, or we do things even, and we don't understand why. And I, um, you know, we, we, we talk about God's uh, plan for sexuality and those kind of things. And so I think about, about scripture, and I think about the passage where Paul says, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do, I don't do the things. I do want yeah. to do, and we're conflicted, in, and, and we look at our behavior, and we think, you know, I why do I get so angry? Why do I go off the, and why does that particular thing seem to trip me up so? Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of times, we just don't have a good answer for that. Uh, we talked in another podcast one time about talking to our kids and asking our kids about what you feel, how you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't, I don't know. And and the honest truth is, we don't always know ourselves. Yeah. So I want to talk today about this, about this idea. And one of the things that you say often, and we've we've talked about this often in several of our podcasts about the uh, the theory of a core feeling or a, or something that feels true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask the question about in that moment, uh, kind of drill down to the time that you experienced something, what felt true? Yeah. Um, and so we ask this question a lot, but sometimes I'd, I'm like, why does that feel that way? And, and, and that's what uh, that's that's part of everyone's journey of, of trying to discover what it is about the things in our past and and why we are experiencing the things we're doing. Yeah, what now. has shaped me into the person that I am right now? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that, and and we're gonna you're gonna share a story, personally story yes. about this mm-hmm. along the way. So, what is this? What what? Why is it so difficult? First of all, for us to know, uh, to have clear answers on this. Uh, I think we talked in in one of our uh, podcasts about core beliefs. I mentioned um, Dr. Lipton. Uh, and some of the research that he cites uh, suggesting that you know, the first six years of a person's life are spent basically encoding or, or writing messages on the, the CD per se. So You just I'm, dated I'm yourself, by the way. I, exactly. Yeah. You know, no one has CD. DVD. <laughs> Uh, at some point, well, if I said flash drive, at some point, there, there you you go. Know, that would be probably yeah, obsolete too. You're yeah, true. that's true. So good point. Uh, but anyway, so we're, we're writing all these messages. We're, we're encoding the, uh, or writing the program on the disk, and then after age six, we spend a lifetime 
playing out the messages that were written on in the first six years. Mm. Uh, well, most of us don't have a whole lot of memories from those first six years. Stands to reason that we wouldn't really understand why is it that I think the way that I think, why do things feel true that feel true. Uh, you know, some people may have some, you know, some like Polaroid snapshot memories uh, of age three or four, um, you know, maybe a, a Christmas, a birthday, a, a, a scary moment. But mm. uh, for most of us, memories probably start about elementary school, you know, right. kindergarten, first grade. Sure. Um, but when when there's something that, uh, uh, for example, okay, I'm I'm. At, at one point, I was six one and a half. I probably have shrunk down a little bit from that. You know, here here at this stage, You're of taller life. than me. That's all that really um, matters. That's all uh, I and, know. And you know, I carry a fair amount of weight on my body. Uh, it doesn't logically stand to reason that I would be afraid twenty four seven, no matter where I'm at. That it always feels like people are out to hurt me, or or somebody's going to hurt me. Mm. And yet, in hindsight, I recognize I have always lived with that belief. I mean, at least from from earliest memory, that belief was there. So there are those incongruencies of here's here's how I look like on the outside, right. but here's what I feel like on the inside. Sure. And where do those things come from? Uh, and so sometimes uh, we get these insights, oh, an, an epiphany, boom, a moment just uh, something from way back there just came to mind. I had never thought about it before. I haven't remembered that. And boom, it just it, it came up. Right. Uh, whether we experience that as a flashback and all the emotion comes with it or just a it's just a fact that comes back up. But I think a lot of people, if if they have any level of connection with what's going on to them at a deep level, if we've done therapy at a deep level, uh, then then we can probably connect with. I uh, mean, there are there are things in there that they just feel so true. Mm. Um, or we've struggled with behavior. Why do I do this? I, I don't want to do it. I think it's wrong. I, I hate myself for that. Uh, a lot of Christians have begged God, God, just take this, take this away from me. Right. Um, you use some some spiritual jargon there. You have gone gone for prayer, want God to take this away from me, and then I walk away from that prayer, expecting that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and this is going to be gone. But I wake up tomorrow and it's still there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, like, where where did this come from? Uh, and oftentimes, it's those experiences in those early years that have planted those beliefs. Uh, so for me, in, in my situation, some things that I have become aware of uh, in the years since beginning recovery in 2002, the I'm, I'm bad, I'm, I'm unwanted, or, or I'm a bother, nobody wants me around, uh, definitely the people want to hurt me. And think, where in the world do those things come from? And then the, there's the whole other struggle side of s- sexual struggles that go back to before earliest memories. Mm. Um, and I've always wondered why? I mean, I, I didn't want that. I sure didn't ask for it. Uh, didn't understand it. But I have no answers and nothing to hang my hat on. You know, it's right. nice to just have a hook you can hang your hat on, and sure. and boom, it makes sense. So several years ago, this was 2017. I had been invited to speak at a church in uh, Byesville, Ohio, which is just a few hours from where I grew up. A little town called Stowe, Ohio. It's right outside the Akron Canton area. So Stowe is a, a suburb, basically of Akron. And they got to looking at a map, and um, I'm going to make that journey back because I've got time. It's just a few hours uh, drive between Byesville and Stowe. Uh, and so I just kind of had mentally decided, uh, you know, when I uh, get up there, I'm going to go journey back. But I hadn't mapped out exactly at what point on the trip that's going to happen. 
So it's Friday morning before I have to leave to catch the, the plane for a Friday afternoon flight. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to pull up the map and you know, figure exactly how far is it and um, you know, where can I fit that in. And I pulled up the map, typed in the street address, you know, love modern technology sure. most of the time. <laughs> right. So, type, you know, Google Maps and open up, type in the street address, Mohican Road, Stowe, Ohio. And boom, of course, it you know, pops right up. Uh, and I map out, you know, it's X number of hours. So, okay, Monday morning, that, that I can fit it in. Uh, I'll drive up Sunday night, spend the night near Stowe, get up Monday morning, make the drive in, spend some time in the neighborhood, hop in the car and spend speed down to Pittsburgh and jump on the plane to fly home. Mm. But as I was going through all that uh, and, and noticed the street view image, right? and I thought, ah, hit that and just, you know, I mean, I, I, in my memory, I remember what the house looks like, but I don't know if that's accurate. Does it still look like that? You know, does it look all run down? I have no idea. So I hit, hit the picture and of course, you know, street view pops up and there it is, just like I remember. I remember the, the two-story house, and there's brick on the bottom and some kind of siding up on the top. And I uh, remember that there were some trees in the yard. Uh, and I got curious, well, I wonder, you know, next-door neighbors, because I had a playmate on one side and a playmate on the other side. And so I you know, swipe one side, and there's the house. Man, it's just like I remembered him. I'm, I'm, su- wow. I'm surprised at how accurate the pictures in my head are. I'm also impressed at how well-kept that neighborhood is, because it's been a lot of years since sure. since I grew up in Stowe, Ohio. Uh, and swiped the other way, and you know both houses looked just like what I remembered. Uh, and then I thought, well, I, you know, I know there was a house across the street that there were some kids that lived in, and thought, well, let me just see what the house across the street looked like. Uh, and I mean, tears are starting to come up in my eyes right now as we're talking, and I'm, I'm remembering back to this moment because it's such a powerful moment. And it was that split second that you know there's a there's a lag between logically what my brain thinks and yeah. and something down deeper than that. And so as fast as my finger swipes my screen to spin that around to the house across the street, everything inside of me just screams, "No, don't do it!" But too late. My fingers already hit, and boom, there's the picture of the house across the street. And I mean, I have never in my life felt raw anger to the extent that, and it was just overwhelming. I mean, boo-hoo tears just erupted. Um, and, and, of course, there's the, there's the therapist or the, you know, the counselor hat that, that instantly kicks in of, boom, this, this tells me so much. Yeah. So no factual memory or not, no picture memory of anything happening in that house comes back. But the, the visceral reaction, you know, the, there's the, the term the body keeps the score, the body knows, the brain may not let you remember, right. but the body will. Sure. Uh, and instantly in that moment, my body was reliving the emotion that mm. I would have felt as, as a child yeah. um, connected to that house. And so instantly, I just, I'm definitely going. Um, matter of fact, I, I don't know that you know, the use of phrase wild horses couldn't keep me away from going back to visit Stowe on that Monday now. Now, isn't your brain still saying, no, don't go? Oh, there's, there's a lifetime of desperately trying to remember yeah. whatever caused the, the journey that I've been on yeah. uh, since age four or five yeah uh, so yeah any any resistance would would so fast be overridden right. by a, a strong desire i want to figure this out yeah yeah um now, and, now let me pause you for mm-hmm. just a second yeah 
had you not been on this journey of recovery that you'd been on, had mm-hmm. you not uh, been working through these emotions and had not identified you know, I felt unwanted, I felt not uh, uh, useless, people didn't mm-hmm. like me. If you had not done that, how would this have played out differently? Do you have any idea? I, I don't think I ever had the slightest desire to go back and visit the old neighborhood. Mm. Um, I, I think that's just knowing that there's the possibility of memory surfacing yeah. by being in an environment that I've been in before. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's what I was hoping would happen. I want to go back and try to reconnect with whatever had happened back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder about people who have not, you know, who have struggled at something in their life but never mm-hmm. taken the time and the effort uh, and, and quite you know, worked through the, the hurt yeah. and the pain of trying to uncover what's going on but would still have this visceral reaction, this mm-hmm. gut-wrenching reaction at a stimulus but not know what to do with right. it and all of a sudden say, what is, you know, what mm-hmm. is this? Yeah, um, and, and I I can see that happening in people. Yeah, and I've, I've had clients who come in in a first session, and that's part of what brings them in is, hey, I had this moment where I had a reaction, yeah, and I have no idea why I reacted. I, I know it wasn't an appropriate reaction. Mm. I don't know why it happened. Yeah, yeah. But fortunately, you'd done those things. You kind of had identified already, so you were well on your way. So. Yeah. You're going now. You're so I'm, I'm, I'm going. So I, I fly up to Ohio uh, to do the weekend event in Byesville, and it was very fortunate uh, that I was able to uh, sit down on Sunday and just have a very informal, casual lunch with uh, a longtime therapist in there who's connected with the church there. And so I shared with him what was going on. We had to kind of process and, and, and kind of prime the pump, so to speak. Uh, and, and you had some good insights that just helped me be in a, as good a place as possible mentally uh, and emotionally to, to go in and engage mm. in the journey that was coming. Mm. Uh, so that was a that was a very helpful resource that again, just kind of looking at how how God works, that God provides a, a space for a conversation, provides a, a person to have the conversation with. Wow! Wow! Um, and so Sunday afternoon rolls around. We wrap up uh, the the event that I'm speaking at, mm. and I hop in the rental car, and it's it's nighttime driving through Ohio, uh, and start coming through the Canton area, uh, and you know, drive past the Football Hall of Fame. I, I remember that from childhood. I mean, so many times we were driving past that, uh, just moving around town. Um, but I spend the night outside of Stowe. So that the next morning is when you know the, the real event starts to happen. How do you sleep that night? Uh, I don't even remember uh, <laughs> sleeping that night. Uh, I, I was exhausted from you know. Anytime I do a weekend event, there's there, it, so much emotion gets triggered because yeah. I'm you know, going through a lot of my story in that. So I was probably just physically worn out enough that uh, yeah. I was able to get good night's sleep. Um, but even that that last little you know twenty thirty minutes of the drive up you know I was, I was seeing so many familiar things from childhood that it was starting to to re trigger mm. uh, emotion and and feelings but not nearly to the extent that Monday morning was fixing to uh, so I wake up Monday morning uh, again in in my mind I'm trying to get as much of a connection with childhood as possible and it kind of made me smile uh, notice that at the at the buffet bar for breakfast they had the quaker instant oatmeal which was a staple for me as a kid i mean a quaker instant oatmeal for years and years it was just breakfast every morning Uh, my favorite flavors as a kid uh, were the maple and brown sugar and the cinnamon spice 
they had both of them. So I had both just for good measure. <laughs> uh, so there I go. I leave with a belly full of, uh, of Quaker instant oatmeal and in the rental car. And you know, I've got the, the map open up on my phone and just listening to the directions. And uh, so I get into the outskirts of Stowe. I start to recognize you know, there are signs. So there are street names uh, that start to ring a bell. Uh, there are a couple of things that I recognize uh, that, you know, again, just childhood. It, it's, it may not look exactly the same, but this feels familiar. Mm. And then I drive by my elementary school. This is the first school I attended. I went to kindergarten and the first half of first grade at Highland Elementary School in Stowe, Ohio. Uh, man, that building looked exactly like it did in whatever, 1975, 76. Mm. Um, so, of course, as, I, as I'm starting to see these street names, and, and it's definitely when I hit the school, there's just emotion. And the emotion just kind of surface and then down and then surface and down. Uh, so, you know, there are tears, but it's not boohoo tears. It's just kind of, you know, my eyes are leaking uh, with the level of emotion that's yeah. coming up. Um, and I, I turn past the school, uh, and at this point now I start to recognize the neighborhood. You know, I, I don't have a, a, a solid memory of how everything looked, but I, I'm recognizing, you know, I know there's a hill that goes down to Mohican Road, because uh, I used to ride my bike down that hill. Um, interesting little uh, funny fact, uh, I remember my mom would drive my sister to school, I'd ride in the car with her. And one day as we were driving home, I reached over and turned the car off, and pulled the key out as the car is well i, I can't remember okay I, I don't know for certain if i pulled the key out i remember the turning it off um and the car is i mean the car's driving down the road and i just turned the ignition off uh and i remember my mom you know in a frustrating moment you know reaching reaching over and again i can't remember did she take the key out of my hand and put it back in did she i don't remember that detail uh but i remember she started the car back and then she, she told me you can't do that that that's a dangerous thing to do <laughs> Uh, I mean, there wasn't any kind of a punishment involved. It was just right. a, hey, life lesson moment. <laughs> Don't turn a car off when the car's driving down the road. Right. I remember that plain as day on that hill back down to Mohegan Road from the school. Wow. Um, so I get to the, uh, to the end of the hill, and I'm, I'm at a T intersection, and I know that my house where I lived or grew up is on the left. My brain says I need to turn the car to the left to get over to the house. My hands will not turn the wheel to the left. I turn to the right. Um, it's like, okay, so there's the resistance. Now that, that's, the wow. first, that's the first sign that there's something in, in the back of my mind that is trying to take over and not go uh, and be at that house. Right. Uh, and so it, I, I'm driving to the right, um, and I pass a couple of streets. Now as I pass them, none of the names ring a bell. I get to the end of Mohican Road and turn the car around, and as I'm going back past those same street signs, boom, Kenwood Drive. Now I recognize it, and I remember that name, Kenwood Drive. I take a left from Mohican Road, take a left up Kenwood Drive, and it's up a hill, and I pass some houses, and then I, uh, one really stands out. I remember I had a friend who lived in that house. I, I don't know how many times. I've been in that house a lot of times. Mm. Uh, we used to ride our bike down that hill on Kenwood. Mm. And here's, again, funny, just random memory. Uh, we would ride those bikes down that hill yelling, 
burning out the woods. <laughs> I have no idea where what that came. I don't know. But that, that we did. He was yeah. screaming at the top of our lungs. I'm sure my sister, when she heard that was in, you know, five years older, I'm sure it would have embarrassed her uh, just to death every time, you know, that your little brother riding down screaming like, but, but that it, it was a memory. Um, right. So we get up and uh, Rose Drive is is where the tea comes and the the, the school is just up beyond that a, pet, a little field uh, and when i saw that sign rose drive uh, a memory surfaced now this is the first time i've remembered practically anything from childhood for mm. you know 40 plus years uh, but i remember me and two friends walking home from school and we were walking at that spot on rose drive and i remember us talking about football and i think it was specifically uh, if, I, if I remember right, it was Joe Namath that one of them was talking about something about Joe Namath. And again, just as clear as can be, I remember that two two to three seconds of us walking and he- hearing that, that name. Um, but what struck me was the feeling that came up with that memory. Because up to this point, every childhood memory was uh, shrouded with shame, with, with uh, secrecy, with fear. And I just I have no memories of childhood that have ever evoked any kind of a positive feeling. They've mm. all been contaminated you know, with all this shame and, and fear and just bad, like I'm dirty. That's another one of those deeply, deeply held beliefs is I'm dirty. There's something wrong with me. Mm. Uh, but in that moment, when that memory came, I actually felt glad. And and that was, again, you know, emotion came up pretty significant in that moment. So I, I go... Um, park the car for just a few minutes, get out, and go stand at the field where, see, across the grass, there's the school. Now, I had walked that route. I mean, that was my walk-to-school route every morning. And so I'd walked walked up through that field a lot of times, turned around. I'm I'm just, I'm surprised with finally now uh, so much of the barrier in my head that wouldn't remember anything about childhood. Those walls are coming down, and I'm starting to remember, and, and just that connection mm. of childhood is starting to come back. So I get in the car, and I drive back down the hill and, and hit Mohican Road, and this time I actually go left. And again, emotion is starting to surface in me just as we're talking in this room right now. I drive uh, to the stop sign, and just beyond the stop sign, my house that I grew up in is on the right, and then this house across the street is on the left. Mm-hmm. And so I pull through the stop sign, and as I roll up between those two houses, the emotion just is overwhelming. I have to pull over because I can't even see how to drive. There are just so many boo-hoos, just, just gut mm. sobbing yeah. uh, in the car. And I'm very thankful there was nobody around because that, that was one concern is what are people going to think? This, here's this old guy sitting on the side of the road you know, crying like a baby. What in the world's going on here? Let's call the police. And yeah, thankfully right. that didn't happen. So I had, I don't know, probably a minute, maybe a minute or two of just letting so much raw emotion out. And I decided to park the car uh, over on the side of the road, and I got out and uh, walked past the house where I grew up, uh, took a couple of pictures, you know, street sign, took a picture of the house, uh, walked past that house across, it, across the street. was on my right, and I just start walking down Mohican Road. Um, and I end up going uh, up on Kenwood and just walk that path that I would have walked to school every morning. Yeah. Uh, now it's a it's October thirtieth. It's twenty seventeen. It's a a blue sky with some puffy clouds. You know, kind of the, the sky was the clouds were dissipating and and the blue sky was emerging. Uh, a nice fall morning. You know, crisp air. Um, you know, still some color. 
uh, on the leaves and in the trees. And just a beautiful morning. And I'm walking up that hill and get to the top of the hill where Kenwood and Rose intersect. And I realize I'm, I'm done. Um, I, there's nothing more inside of me that is looking to, to see or to feel. Uh, I just, it feels complete. It's like, okay, job's done. So I turn around and I start walking back down the hill. And I've worked with a lot of trauma survivors, sexual trauma survivors. And one of the common questions people wrestle with is, am I making this up? I remember it, but then I, I start to doubt my memory. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, am I crazy? Uh, and so that, you know, that thought is kind of you know, streaming through my head. Uh, am, am, am I nuts? And there's this instant, I would call a, a thought that came to my mind. I didn't hear an audible voice. Uh, but there was a very definite, trust your gut. It just, I kept hearing that phrase in my head over and over and over, trust your gut. And I, I credit that not to anything inside of Steve. I credit that to the power of God, the, the Holy Spirit that lives in me, who knows the comfort that I'm needing in that moment, uh, and is able to to bring truth into the doubt that's going through my mind. There, There is a sense of gladness. There's a sense of peace. Uh, it is totally different than anything in my memory of childhood. Uh, so I get down and um, I walk, um, you know, left on Mohican back toward the car, uh, go through that stop sign intersection, and uh, there's it, it's such a different feel than it was when I drove through that mm-hmm. point. It's like okay, this whatever whatever um, dirtiness that all those childhood memories had always had in my mind, with the the fear. Uh, the the shame, the everything feeling so secret. Uh, it's like all that melted, and what I'm left with is this this, this gladness, because uh, you know th- there w- there were a lot of positive things that happened growing up in Stowe. Mm. Um, there, there were friends that you know as a as a three four five year old kid, had good friendships uh, with playmates that lived right there around us, uh, but all of that had been lost in my memories because all this other stuff was mm. so overwhelming. Uh, so I get back to the car and um, I'm debating to share a part that I typically don't share in the story here. But I'm going to, and people can do with that whatever they want. Um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a dog lover. I mean, legends napping in the floor with us right here as we're recording this podcast. Mm. The house across the street. As I walk through that intersection, there's a car parked in the driveway of that house. I have not seen any sign of anybody in that whole block all morning long. I look over at that house, and there is a dog standing at the front door just looking at me. It's a big dog. It just has this look of peace on its face. Um, there's nothing aggressive about it. Uh, it's not moving. It's just standing there at the doorstep looking at me. In the time that it takes to walk past the car in the driveway, which is all of maybe three seconds, I get past the car, I'm looking at the front porch, there's no dog. The door hasn't opened, don't see a dog running anywhere, the dog was there, the dog's not there. People can make of that whatever they want to. I know what I make of that. Mm. Um, I, I, t- I take that as a... If there, if there was any way that God knows it's going to 
touch my heart and connect with me and communicate, things are okay. Mm. The the presence of a friendly looking big dog <laughs> does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it just was a really special moment to me in finishing up that journey. Mm. Um, get back in the car, take off up the hill, uh, come to the elementary school, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go inside. <laughs> I have not been in that school since the last day before Christmas break, 1975, I guess it was, because we moved from Stowe Mm. during Christmas break at the end of the first half of first grade, 1975. Park, get out, walk up the sidewalk. Um, I'm thinking, how am I going to get in this school? Because I'm I'm a nobody, and I'm... Just wanted to come in off the street, and right. who's this old guy wanting to come in this yeah. elementary school? He was just down the street crying a while ago. So <laughs> so I get to the door, and thankfully, there is another adult who is buzzed in just as I get to the door. I just walk right in behind him. <laughs> I go in the office, and I, I, I wondered, because I, I didn't think I could stand at the door, hit the you know, try to gain entrance by saying, Hey, I, I went to school here, you know, kindergarten and first half of first grade, and I really just wanted to come in the school. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to get me inside. Not today. No. So I go in the office and I said, I went to school here the first <laughs> half of first grade and kindergarten, and I just wanted to come in the school. <laughs> uh, they said I had violated security protocol. Did they really? <laughs> but they were kind. And uh, I asked them if any of – there were two people in the office, and um, neither of them remembered the name of my uh, first-grade teacher. Mm. Uh, it was Mrs. Saltis. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I'd asked them that, and they said no, a, a, a long-time teacher had walked in right behind me. Mm. Uh, and she had gone to school there as an early elementary and had the same teacher Mm. and so we stood there and talked for a couple minutes and Mm. she reminded me of a field trip that we had taken that i had again no memory had totally forgotten about it but as soon as she said petting zoo boom the memory came back i Mm. remember going um it was a short walk from the school we went down i remember petting sheep and there's some small farm animals there Mm. Uh, a really positive memory that came back and so i exited and went back to the car Took off down the road, you know, had the map opened up, and got to get to Pittsburgh now because I'm on a time frame to catch a plane. But, you know, before getting on the, the road for a long trip, I'm going to stop somewhere and you know, take a restroom break and load up with some some kind of comfort food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd been an emotional roller coaster, sure. and so something you know, needed to be in my hand driving right. down the road. And there's a Dunkin' Donut. Yeah. And I, I pass. I thought, it's perfect. I'll stop in the restroom, grab a couple of donuts, and there we go. Uh, so I walked in, and the, the worker behind the counter, you know, probably a young adult, maybe 20 years old or so, how are you today? And, you know, just without thinking, I always, you know, what, what I say, fine. And then I said, actually, um, I'm more than good. Hmm. And um, I think for the first time in about 45 years, really was more hmm. than good. Yeah. Uh, I left that school as a um, halfway through first grader, um, I'm I'm weak. People want to hurt me. Uh, I can't do anything about it. I feel as dirty and shrouded in secrecy as, as any person can be. Uh, I walked out of that school that day as an adult, um, feeling hopeful and clean 
and not afraid. Just an incredible difference. Mm. Um, and so, uh, anytime there is uh, something that we're struggling with, uh, uh, something feels true and it doesn't make any sense, and where in the world does this come from? Uh, sometimes the answer is buried back in something we experienced. Um, and it may be that it happened so early in life we just don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Or it may be that the memory is so painful our brain is protecting us and it won't allow us to remember that. Uh, but for many people, having an experience, whether it's an experiential exercise in a counseling room, which we do a lot of at Ultimate Escape, or if it's a real-life experience of going back to someplace or re-engaging with someone mm. uh, and, and hearing a different message uh, that's a healing message instead of a wounding message. When we get to experience the, the different side of that, it, it unlocks whatever that uh, that message that got buried in there, it unlocks that and we it allows us to override it with a, a true message or a more accurate message. Uh, and that can make a world of difference in the healing experience. Yeah. Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you once again for joining us here on the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Don't forget, if you would like more information about Steve or Holly or any of the ministry services that they offer, you can find that on their website. It's ultimateescape.org. That's ultimateescape.org. Of course, we'd love for you to share this podcast and other episodes with your friends and family, anyone who could benefit from them. You'll find it on Apple, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on Amazon's Alexa. Again, thank you for joining us today. I'm David Chenault, and this has been the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Mm -hmm.